Hello, hello, and welcome to the What Type Once Eat podcast. If you're new, I am really happy that you've joined. And if you're a returning listener, thank you for sticking to me. Um, I've said this in the last three episodes, I think, but I really appreciate every single one of you and you listening to this podcast. Uh, On the podcast, we speak about what different type ones eat and how they manage their blood sugars with what they eat or what they do to help them live their lives to the full. And today we have a dear friend of mine. We have Helen or Helen Mtoll on Instagram. Um, She is one of the very few people from the T1D community that I've actually met in real life. Um, And we talk about a lot of very deep subjects. I open up quite a lot about my um, eating disorder, um, previous eating disorder, and we have a very deep and interesting conversation. Before we jump into it, I just want to remind you that absolutely nothing on this podcast is intended as medical or nutritional advice and that you should always consult your medical team before making any changes to your diabetes management. Um, So without further ado, I just want to hop into this conversation and let you listen to me chat to Helen. Hi, Helen. How are you? Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm good. How about yourself? I am amazing. Thank you. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Um, You're one of my good friends from the Type 1 community. And we've actually only met once in real life, haven't we? Yeah, we had coffee. We did, and it was actually super nice. I love yeah, that catch up. Um, yeah, but we know each other pretty much from social media, and uh, we've become good friends from social media, which is super cool. Like that's one of the benefits of it, isn't it? Oh, a hundred percent. And I think so. For me, I've been diabetic for quite a long time, and I didn't really know any others until I started getting a little bit more involved with social media. Um, and suddenly finding all of these other type ones. It's like, you're the same as me. Um, so it's, it's nice to actually meet those people in real life. I've had a few that I've managed to meet and it's just nice to have people who understand as well, I think. Um, while I've got lots of friends, people who support me, etc., only a type one, I think, can understand what it's like to be a type one. Yeah, definitely. It was the same case for me. Like I didn't know anyone for the first I guess like 14 years of my life with diabetes and then like when I actually found that there are people that are doing well with it and managing well with it it gave me the empowerment to start taking care of myself which was a big step for me and yeah now I'm kind of trying to help others to do so as well. I love it so did you find then that you struggled more um, feeling like the only person or do you think um, it was just not knowing options or what do you think finding how do you think finding people helped you I feel like I did struggle mentally but I also thought that there is no other way like my levels were all over the place and I just thought that's diabetes like there's nothing not I can you. do about it and I kind of thought I've tried everything but obviously I didn't know what I was trying I didn't know there was more to try so um I guess like that lack of knowledge was also a big cause of not being able to take proper care of myself 
Yeah, you don't know what you don't know. Precisely. Yeah. And like shout out to the Juice Box podcast because that guy um has such a wealth of knowledge and I basically learned like half of actually all of the stuff I know from there. Um Interesting. Have you listened to it? Um I'll be honest, no. <laughs> you really should. You really should have um have a try of listening in it, especially if you like yeah. podcasts. I know you do. Um yes. so have a go and it it just gives you a sense of the community as well. And even though you don't know the people that are on there, you still listen to their yeah. stories and it feels like you're not alone, you know? No, I get it. I get it. I shall, uh, I shall have a listen. I'll be honest, with my inner geek, I went down a different route trying to learn how things worked. And I did ridiculous things like read scientific literature and studies and use myself as a lab rat. Um, so I, I did most of my learning, um, from that, which is, I think gives me a slightly different view on things, but I also understand that not everybody wants to be a nerd and read science papers. But also not everybody wants to be a lab rat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm, um, I'm quite a numbers person, which I think has probably played to my benefit. I think we're living with with diabetes. Yeah, um, so, but also no, because diabetes is also an art as well as a science. And we all oh, yeah. know that sometimes stuff just doesn't work out for us. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, it definitely makes things like carb counting easier. Definitely, yeah. But like <laughs> when carb ratios don't work, that should really frustrate you. Um. I don't know. So I guess I'm enough of a, I'm going to say realist to know that scientific studies and as much as I want like numbers and formulas that people aren't numbers, people aren't formulas. And there is so much that goes into health and diabetes, which you can't necessarily quantify in the same way. And yeah, you do have to use a bit of art and I've been learning more and more about and reading more and more papers on things like mindset, how self-compassion changes things. And it's been interesting to see how that can improve control or the impact it can have on control and looking at mindset links, etc. I so think that mindset is like the key thing in managing diabetes, because as soon as you let your emotion mess with you, your decisions become a nightmare and obviously your blood levels become a nightmare as well. I mean, blood sugar levels <laughs> become yeah. a nightmare. Um, imagine like you're very emotional and like your blood just starts flowing out of your ears. Oh gosh, no. Oh, that's no. such a disgusting image. Why did that even come <laughs> to my mind? That <laughs> one. <laughs> Uh, Helen, um, would you like to introduce yourself like 15 minutes in? <laughs> Sorry, I talk too much. Hi, I'm Helen. Yeah, um, so yeah. Um, Hi, my name's Helen. I run My Type of Life Coaching. Um, my Type of Life is about living the type of life you have always wanted, creating memories and allowing you to sit back proudly and think, this is my type of life. It all came about because I really struggled um on my I guess quest for health um I struggled to find someone 
who understood the combination of um, diet, um, losing weight, etc., training, and diabetes. So I decided to become the person that I thought I needed. Um, so um, I do nutrition and or training, coaching. I'm also a qualified CrossFit coach. So when things really start going back again, hopefully I'll be back in a box coaching. Um, but yeah, it's all aimed around type one diabetics, looking at humans from a holistic perspective. Because as we've just said, like diabetes is not just about numbers. Nutrition is not just about numbers and neither is training. Um, people are people and they can't just be quantified by numbers. A hundred percent. And yeah, I think what you're doing is really cool because I, um, I was actually looking for coaches for myself a couple years ago that um, would help me gain weight rather than lose weight. But yeah. it's the same concept. Like there's not a lot of PTs or fitness coaches around that have the ability to take a holistic approach on your weight gain or weight loss, whatever that would be, or even just health journey, because yeah, some people train just for health, not necessarily for the looks appearance. Um, and I actually, I kind of now train just for health, not for my looks. Um, and I think that's a really important thing because you see so many people who link um, training with changing how they look, whereas there are so many health benefits. There are so many mindset benefits. There are benefits with our, like, our control as well to leading an active lifestyle. Um, and that could be so many things. Um, it doesn't have to be spending your time in the gym. It could be dancing if that's what you enjoy doing or cycling or gymnastics or just whatever it is that you enjoy doing. Gardening at the end of the day, that's movement as well. Like whatever works for you. I mean, I keep trying gardening. Um, I'm not very good at growing things. I'm just way too bad at it. Like I can't <laughs> grow a cactus. Flowers die in my house. I am just not a flower person. Whereas, you know, my no. mom had roses that had like she I gave her roses actually on the 8th of March and she yeah. what the, what's the date today it's the 24th of April and she just threw them out a couple days ago wait what I know <laughs> how? like uh, more than a month like how I need her tips I need her tips because I keep killing what I mean anything with flowers I can't keep alive green things I'm doing better but I guess they don't need so much attention. You say that. I feel like some of my plants, the art is like diabetes. You're like, one day they're really happy and you do the same the next day. And they're like, no, I'm not happy with you today. I'm like, I don't know what I did to you. Um, yeah, definitely have a relationship. Like, Yeah, I just don't feel like taking care of plants. Like they don't give you much return except for looking at them. At least like with a dog or a hamster, you can like, I don't know, you can get something <laughs> back attention. from them. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to have a dog. I think that would be also be a great way if you do have pets uh, or a dog specifically, if you wanted to just do more have a dog I mean don't just get a dog to, to make you walk like get a dog because you want a dog and you can support a dog but walking the dog every day is great walking is yeah underrated. but you just a dog is not 
shouldn't be a stimulus for you to walk because it's just only a stimulus for you to walk because it's just so much more like it's another living being and you really need to understand that you need to give it as much attention as you give to your diabetes pretty much (laughs) um which is a lot you can do oh yeah there are there are things that you can do where you can essentially hire a dog so you can find local dogs and go and walk them I know. Um, I think it's just like, even for free, you just, there are people that are working or whatever and need their mm. dogs walked and you just take their dogs and go and walk them. I think that's a great idea. I d- yeah. But then you don't get as much connection with the dogs, you know, you haven't got to pay the vet bills though. A fair point. And you don't have to <laughs> bring the food or clean them up either. Um, which is a great yeah. thing. Low maintenance, <laughs> low maintenance. That's the key thing. <laughs> Helen so because this podcast is called what type ones eat um can you tell me about what you actually eat what do I eat everything um no so in general I see it I eat it (laughs) a little bit yeah yeah um I I don't follow any particular diet if I'm honest I in, in my quest for health um, I definitely found different diets. None really worked for me. Um, I think I'm in a really good place right now where I predominantly eat whole foods. But I, I mean, I love crisps and I love chocolate. Um, so they are never going to be removed from my life because they make me Chocolate happy. is life. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Um, I do feel I like don't... crisps are such a British thing, though. Like, I don't know a British person that doesn't like crisps. But I like I like texture in my meals. Um, so I, I really like crunchy food. It's it's like soup. Doesn't feel like a meal because there's no crunch. Mm. So like sometimes I might actually have soup with rovita or rice cakes, which I know people find really weird. Like, why are you not eating bread? Just like I need the crunch. I want the texture. I find um, that totally normal. Okay. Anything wrong with that? No, oh, I have been judged many times. But that doesn't bother me anymore, actually. Um, when people say things about food, um, I eat what makes me feel good, what makes me happy. I I don't tend to eat much meat. I go through phases where <laughs> I want to eat it and when I just, I don't like the idea of eating it. So I guess if you wanted some sort of label, it's pescatarian and I still eat fish. Um, but I'm I not don't want a label. That's the thing. I just wanted you yeah. to sort of describe what you eat. And I feel food. it's really amazing that you, <laughs> food, <laughs> fair <laughs> point. Um, I feel that's really cool that you've sort of like come to this point where you're like, whatever feels right, that's what I'm going to eat. Um, and yeah, that's, that's just really amazing. A, a great place to be. Yeah, and I I will say that it hasn't been without its pitfalls getting here. I think anybody who is diagnosed with diabetes, regardless of how old they are, goes through a bit of a journey with their relationship with food as well and their relationship with their body. Um, I think some people go through the journeys differently, end up in different places. um, And... I mean, I've tried things like keto because I was told that was what I should do to control my blood sugars. And I just felt horrendous. I was told I should do this. I was told I shouldn't do this much. But I think 
I've had enough years now and enough confidence in myself that I'm able to go, you know what, this makes me feel good. I know that I am respecting my health as well and my blood sugars and like my social and mental well-being. Um, yeah, that's the same. Yeah. I have the same outlook on it. Like you are a person beyond your diabetes and you still need to be healthy. You still need to be social. You still need to allow yourself joy from food because, oh my God, food is like the best thing ever. Um, and it brings you <laughs> so much joy um, that you just, why would you even want to cut that out of your life? it's just depriving you of so much and it's fine if you don't feel restricted like if you actually love what you eat go ahead like whatever it is if you feel great eating keto and you love the food you eat that's fine I don't really see how that's possible but that's me um and yeah like just whatever works for you like just do it man yeah I am I am fully with you but I think if you'd spoken to past Helen a few years ago, she wouldn't have believed you. Um, but I, I think there is, and it's not without the hard work and questioning yourself, but I think realizing, or my realization that health is not just physical, it's also your social and your mental, because I think there was a point that physically I was in a, quote unquote healthier place but actually I was um a little bit more restricted with what I did with going out with eating out this kind of thing yet great numbers um performance in the gym was great etc but I also like being able to go out with friends and go to different restaurants and try different food and have a drink at the end of the day oh yeah um you're drinking don't you I was, I drank a lot more at uni. I still, I still like alcohol now, but I don't drink very often. I have an extensive um, spirit collection. I, I tend know, to go I do know that. And I love a cocktail. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> I love um, a cocktail. They make me happy. Um, guys, if you want to have a drink, have the drink that you want. Not one that doesn't have any calories in or doesn't require insulin because, yeah, sometimes that's useful. But if you really want, a bramble have the bramble regardless of the sugar that they put in it it's so Um, funny I just like I never wanted a cocktail like I just never even wanted it I don't feel good after them so I sort of I'm a spirit mixer person like I am super happy with it and I don't need anything else yep fair fair And, and that's what I what is really interesting about food um and one of the things that does I guess the diabetes community is fantastic and I'm really grateful to be part of it I would like the diabetes community to be a little bit more we're a human first and diabetes diabetic after so love that are, yeah <laughs> because that's what we are it's only a tiny part of us and we have to remember that we can make choices as a human and then work out how to manage our diabetes with it, not let diabetes lead the decision. Um, it's not all of us. So yeah, human first, what makes you feel good? 
then work out how to sort out your diabetes. Or at least that's my approach. That's how I coach. Um, and that's the space that I'm in now. You know, I heard, I heard uh, vodka helps to sort out your diabetes. Um, I mean, maybe. <laughs> it sort of do. does. Like, um, <laughs> brings you down a lot um, overnight if you overdo on it. But um, it can help. I mean, I definitely, vodka and Diet Coke was definitely one of my drinks for a while, but uh, it's raspberry always, vodka. That is my Coke. drink, actually. But now nice. they've made the Pepsi Max with um, cherry and that became my mixer. Oh, I love that stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's. I guess that's kind of what I was doing when I had cherry vodka and Diet Coke. Yeah, pretty much. But I guess like yeah. the cherry didn't exist in a Pepsi Max version before. <laughs> no. No, it's fair. Um, okay, interesting one. Can you tell the difference between um, like Coke, Diet Coke, and Coke Zero? Oh, not that debate again. No, um, I just, I'm wondering whether taste-wise, can you taste so it? So I can definitely tell the difference if the Coke is normal. Like it does taste different with the sugar in it. Yeah. But then Coke Zero and Diet Coke not really interesting how about you i can i can't stand full fat it's interesting that we call it full fat when it's actually full sugar yeah um full fat coke it just makes my teeth feel weird um but i i can taste the difference between the two but i'm i am a big i'm a big diet coke fan like i i like fizzy drinks um i'm quite happy with sweetness um, I know that some people aren't comfortable with them. I've not yet seen enough evidence to say that I shouldn't drink them. They make me happy. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big Diet Coke fan. I don't like Coke Zero though. I know, like I do actually prefer Coke Zero. Don't know why, but um, I that's my like guilty pleasure. I don't really drink a lot of it because it's still a bit of a chemical. I don't have issues with sweetener though. sweeteners though. So yeah. I drink like a lot of squash, like sugar-free squash and things. Yeah. Um, but I try to like stay away from the carbonated over chemicalized stuff. Um, I just limit it. Like I don't try to completely don't restrict cut it out. It. Yeah. yeah. But just like keep it at a lower level. Um, and I actually feel better if I do that. So, you know, it's kind of a two-sided approach. It's a win-win. Like, exactly. If it makes you feel good, go for it. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, go for it. Um, no, I was going to like change the topic, but go ahead. No, I was, I was going to say it's interesting how some of the, um, I guess, diet drinks, diet foods, etc. Some of them are really helpful for type ones, whereas I feel like some of them are quite unhelpful and some of them are downright disgusting, like diabetic chocolate. Um, oh, yeah, I don't <laughs> go there. But I've, I've definitely seen people be tripped up. I've definitely been tripped up by foods that market themselves as sugar-free when actually they've got carbohydrate in them. It's just the no added sugar. They and I find this quite a lot of in them. Malatol or mar- maltitol. What's the right name for it? I always forget. But that sweetener with beginning with an M yeah. that has the exact same amount of carbs in it that sugar does. But the freaking yeah. thing is labeled no sugar. Like, why? Yeah. But it's also the fruit juice 
because people go, oh, it's natural. It says it's got no sugar on it. I don't need to do any insulin. And uh. that I've definitely seen catch people out because we care about total carbohydrate, not just sugar. Um, so I think that's an, that's an interesting one for people to be aware of because I feel like the in- food industry definitely uses that more. But the mannitol is a good one. Yeah. Um, Helen, so my next question was, um, I know you practice intuitive eating to a degree, as I understand. Um, And I wanted to hear your take on it because everyone sort of has their own take on intuitive eating, especially adapting it with diabetes. So I don't think I do intuitive eating. I would say that I practice more mindful eating because I do have some guidelines that I like to stick to for trying to be the healthiest version of myself so for example when I get back into the swing of things I train quite a lot therefore it's important for me to be getting four plus decent servings of protein a day so I'm quite mindful of the fact that I want to get in enough protein So I don't think that counts purely as intuitive. I also try to make sure that I am eating enough fruit and veg. Um, In terms of how many, I guess, calories I eat on a daily basis or my ratio between carbohydrates and fats, I do let that fluctuate depending on where my hunger is and what foods I fancy at the point in time. So I'd say it's it's mindful eating and I think it's come from um, awareness. I did track for a while and I think that education that you do get from tracking your food can be really helpful. Um, It just makes you understand what different foods contain and what they don't contain. Um, And yeah, I love the fact that you're not like necessarily intuitive and though the choices of foods you make are sort of choosing what you actually feel like eating so in a sense like having some guidelines around what you eat I think is super helpful helpful for anyone like I do the same actually so I don't necessarily have the same like food but I try to make all of my meals balanced. So I have like my fiber, I have my carbs, I have my fats, and I have my protein. And I feel like that's a great way to approach mindful eating, as you said, that's a good name for it. Um, But just like also taking care of being balanced and being healthy, but also allowing yourself the freedom of choice of the foods you are eating. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's important for those that are listening to realize that it doesn't mean that either of us only eat meals like that. And that sometimes I will make the decision that actually all I want is a bowl of noodles and it's just carbohydrate, but that's okay. (laughs) Completely. And like sometimes you would just want a salad and there's nothing bad with that either. Like Yes, it's low carb. Yes, it doesn't have like a lot of fat in it, but it doesn't mean that that you can't have a salad or you're not allowed to want a salad. Like yeah. if that's what you want to eat, 
go and eat it. And it's equally fine to just go and eat a piece of cake because that's what you want. Yeah, exactly. And I think one thing that has helped me in recent years is understanding that, and I did a post on this recently, actually, self-compassion isn't just being kind to yourself. Sometimes it is being kind to your future self by doing what feels hard now. So you might feel like going headfirst into a a tub of Ben and Jerry's, but actually the kind thing to do would be to make yourself a balanced meal. Um, So I think bringing that self-compassion view in that, you know, yeah, sometimes half a tub of Ben and Jerry's after a salad might be the way to go, but that eating the protein having their veggies, this kind of thing is good for my health. Yeah, exactly. That's what I wanted to add. Like make yourself a good meal and then have a dessert. Like there's no problem with that. But sometimes you do need to step over yourself and be a bit more organized and like- Adult yourself. Feels (laughs) Sorry? Adult yourself. Exactly. And do what feels a little bit harder with the thought of, helping you in the future and that's amazing I love that thought I think it's taken me a long time to get here um but it is one of the main themes within my coaching is I want to help others get there I mean it's why it's the tagline is about creating memories and creating the type of life you was always wanted because that is I think the kind of life that we all want to have the freedom, the confidence um, to go and do whatever we want, to go and eat the food at the restaurants, but also to, to be healthy, to create amazing memories, to go and do ridiculous challenges. And yeah, that's very much the ethos behind how I coach. Oh my Lord. I so love a ridiculous challenge. Like it's yep. the best I feel thing. like I need one. I haven't had one for a while. I think my last ridiculous challenge was a few years ago now and it was a 48 hour race through the Pyrenees oh wow because obviously that's a normal thing to do um as oh, a yeah, totally <laughs> it wasn't running because I am not a runner um but it was kind of walking with your backpack on with your tent and everything else there was a bit of via ferrata there was the whole like sleeping for a few hours on a ridiculous hill and then getting up at three o'clock in the morning so we could reach the top for sunrise and all these kind of things so yeah I need a new ridiculous challenge any ideas have you climbed Snowdon uh no I haven't actually because I do it why not let's do it let's do it (laughs) I'll be honest this is part of the reason I became a coach so I moved to London four and a half years ago mm-hmm. and I uh, have been lucky to find a specialist sports and diabetes clinic at Imperial Hospital. So it's called the iPad. It, that's at Mary's for any of you who are London based. And um, I was explaining to the doctors kind of what I do. And they were like, you're bonkers. We don't know anyone else who does this. You should write stuff to help other diabetics. Um, because they would just look at me like I was completely insane with everything that I was trying to do because I like doing ridiculous challenges. I like 
doing exercise that makes me happy. So like one day I'll be doing dancing, another day I'll be doing powerlifting. Like it's just whatever makes me um, feel good. Um, so it was, you've got Imperial to thank for the fact that I'm now a coach because I went, well, I could just write about it. That's or I could cool. help people. <laughs> like I could help people get to where I am. Um, so that's part of the reason why I became a coach. That's absolutely amazing. I feel the last challenge I've done was six spin classes in one day which was a oh, that seems crazy. for jdrf sorry yeah that seems crazy how long did it take you to recover uh a couple days no okay that's a lie like five days maybe a week <laughs> but i was like i was really easy training in the gym like nothing too bad um yeah but it was okay like the next day we actually went for a super lovely brunch um and like I really refueled on the food so that was really nice um and my next one is actually I signed up for a marathon Um, yeah which I am starting to train for now um and I feel how are you finding the training and I guess the refueling as well you know I am making some tweaks to my diet and I'm increasing the carbs at the moment um just to improve my recovery I actually am not recovering that bad from it like the recovery is really quick I'm tired for about a couple hours after the runs and I do like 15 to 17k right now so it's quite long distances yeah um but I do recover quite fast, which is really good. But I still want to carb up a little bit more. And I have a lot of blood sugar work during the runs to do. So like keeping myself in range. Yeah, interesting. I mean, fair play to you. It's not something that I have ever contemplated doing. Um, but I'm interested, do you purposefully take on carbs during your run? Or do you do it purely based on blood sugars purely based on blood sugars at the moment because the the runs are not too long yeah but then I feel I I will need to treat anyway like there is no way I'm getting through 42k or even 30k or even like 25k without some kind of uh pop-up and a normal person wouldn't like a non-type one wouldn't because you just running burns a lot um so yeah um, I guess it would be like half purposefully at that point. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting. There are so many different ways of approaching fueling for a marathon, I feel like, and fueling for running. And that's one of the areas I want to dive into a bit more in the future is um, fueling for endurance events, because it's not something that I'm particularly okay with because I'm a... I'm a crossfitter I I do competitive crossfit where like the longest workout you have is like 15 minutes so your your strategy (laughs) for that is a little bit different to a marathon um so yeah it's it's not an area that I know particularly well yeah that makes sense um I kind of wanted to come back to um your eating and like your journey with food um I was kind of really curious to ask you if there was something specific that triggered your like poor relationship with food or was that like did you even realize when it developed I I have thought about this a lot actually 
not in preparation for this, but just on and off over the years. Sure. Um, I I have always been a comfort eater. All my brothers are comfort eaters, and I I do think part of my relationship with food was from a very young age, a very young age, um, in terms of finding comfort in food, loving different food. Like we were a very foodie family. Um, but I think that potentially started things. I had really bad asthma when I was young, really bad. Um, my GCSE. What did you have? Sorry, bad asthma. Oh yeah. Uh, for my GCSEs, this is the only stat I know, but I missed a quarter of my school um, hours because I was in hospital. That's a lot. Um, really a lot. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel um, really so sorry was... for you because you've missed out on quite a lot of teaching and it should have been really hard to catch up. I think, luckily, I there were subjects that I got pretty quickly subjects that needed a bit of extra work um but I did have extra help to help me catch up um the problem with schooling was more that we moved around a lot and different schools do different things in different years so there's definitely some gaps in my knowledge um probably not helped but by, by the asthma but that meant that I had I think an interesting relationship with my body from quite young that it just it wasn't allowing me to do things I was three years old when my asthma started, um, I was not sporty at all. Um, and you can imagine it's just this vicious cycle where I didn't do any exercise. So when I did, I got out of breath and that triggered an asthma attack in this horrendous spiral. So I found a lot of comfort in food. Yeah, I was diagnosed with diabetes just before my 12th birthday. Um, so I think that's an interesting time in a female's life um, when things are starting to change and to suddenly have restrictions. And I was put on mixed insulin when I was first diagnosed. Um, so I had to be quite strict with what I ate. Um, and was that and like was much... uh, exchanges or whatever it's called? If I'm honest, my mum, because she used to be a medic, did most of my food at that point. Mm-hmm. But it was very much you eat pretty much this at the same time every day, which I think at that kind of age is not great for yeah. <laughs> your relationship with and food. And was it the same um, food every day or was it different? It was it was pretty similar food every day. Yeah, that's sad. Um, <laughs> yeah, from a foodie family. Um, and then, yeah, I had a slightly rocky uh, time when I was a teenager I went off of the rails a little bit um, not horrendous compared to, to some people but I didn't prioritize my diabetes I didn't prioritize my health um, and then yeah my physique changed a lot and um, I struggled more with um, binge eating I think was was my main um, relationship issue with food and I think that comes down for most people to over restriction um and also finding comfort in it um actually tracking macros was one of those things that was really helpful for me um and then doing the mindset work i think it helped me realize that you could have a biscuit or two and still Mm -hmm. achieve your goals 
or that sometimes actually maybe the protein bar isn't the right choice. Maybe the chocolate bar is. Um, and so it helps me, I think, with my blood sugars as well. It is so interesting because yeah. I found tracking do exactly the opposite. Like I am always yeah. a super precision person. So if I'm tracking, I will track every single gram of everything I eat. And that just felt so restrictive and so like, I don't know, like just not nice to do. Yeah. And that actually led to me binging, which is like kind of weird but that's precisely what happened no I, I I can see it because it is it is a restriction um but I think for some people it helps with the education and I think I think there are many ways that you can get the education of tracking without fully tracking but it is a really tough balance um I think it's there probably like, was where do you cross that line yeah and I think I probably did it for too long. My binging went through phases. Um, but I think that it was my main coping mechanism. So I think growing up and realizing that, and I have worked with some great coaches as well. Um, I've had more, I guess, mindset and relationship with food coaching than I ever have had like, quote unquote, transformation coaching. Um, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. Um, and what you needed I guess so that's what you got yeah definitely and I, I chose coaches who could help me with that because I was sufficiently interested in nutrition by this point um that I kind I kind of knew what I needed to eat what I should eat um to be healthy and this kind of thing I just needed help with everything that went around it yeah definitely that makes sense so um, um so I guess I don't really know where it started. I don't really think there was a particular event. It's just been relationship with food and comfort, I think has been a theme through my life. And I know that that's taxed a lot of people during lockdown. Um, yeah. Even people who haven't um, had that feeling before. Um, comfort eating, I think has been, has been tough. For, for a lot of people. I mean, what advice do you tend to give to people if they find they're struggling with more comfort eating, not um, clinically diagnosed binge eating disorder because neither of us are qualified to deal with that, um, but slightly disordered eating, let's say. So what I find helps the most is including your foods that, the foods that you want to eat in your daily life so let's say you absolutely love chocolate um and you find yourself binging on it um or whatever the food is like crisps whatever you want um you have to have it pretty much every single day or even every single meal to then not feel restricted and not be sort of afraid of it and then stop the binging by allowing yourself to eat it every day basically and on a regular basis and that doesn't have to be like huge amounts but it just has to be like small little pieces and you understanding that there's nothing wrong with eating a little piece and stopping there you know yeah it reduces its power if you have it as part of your 
daily life, I think. Yeah, and exactly. And I also think that if you have things in smaller amounts, not I'm not saying that you can't have a big piece of cake whenever, like once in a while, but having things in smaller amounts massively helps your blood sugars. Like having that balance and not overdoing, not overeating things really, really does contribute to more stable and balanced blood sugars. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think to follow on from that, I think it's remembering that consistently good is better than occasionally perfect. Um, That's a phrase that that, um, definitely helped me. Yeah, because I think, and I also think it's not just food, but also our diabetes where we feel like um, we need to be 100% in range every single day. And then we end up with burnout or something goes wrong and you have that, uh, well, screw this kind of thing. And then you're up in the teens all day um, or even in the twenties, but actually hitting like 70% in range every day is far more beneficial to your health exactly. in the long run and in not just sense, your physical. But the in a sense, it's the same as binging. Like you kind of keep yourself in the super tight range by restricting different actions or restricting different foods and like doing everything by the book. And then one day you just go, oh, like, screw it. I just can't do this anymore. And you like binge on your blood sugars, so to say. Yeah, yeah. And oddly, I used to find that high blood sugars um, was a bit of a trigger for me for eating or overeating. Because I think it's the feeling that you find yourself in and the association that you have with that feeling they're like, ah, oh, when I feel like this, what I'm normally doing is eating. Therefore, I will. I need to go and eat. Um, but I think remembering that just because that is how you've previously felt doesn't mean that's what you have to do now. That's um, true. For I me, it was the one. opposite, to be honest. I always like ended up just over-treating very low blood sugars by my binges. Um, but yeah, everyone's different. So I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah consistently good and yeah don't remove foods but also don't make it hard for yourself I think so like if you are starting to introduce chocolate back in buy small packs exactly and I also feel like for us for diabetics what is very important is understanding that you you should like know how to use your insulin and know how to treat your hypos because for me a massive massive thing was learning not to over treat my hypos and understanding Mm. that like a couple glucose tabs will sort my blood sugars rather than having to binge on the entire kitchen you know um and like waiting it out and having just two glucose tabs was like a life changer for me literally Oh yeah, definitely. And choose a hypo treatment that you don't, it sounds terrible, but that you don't particularly like, I think was helpful because if you are, if you love jelly babies and you decide that jelly babies are going to be your hypo treatment of choice, when you have got that craving, when you're low, 
which we don't want to get rid of because that's your body doing the right thing, it's going to be much harder to have your two or three jelly babies than if you decide to have uh, glucose tablets because you don't like them. Totally. (laughs) I so um, agree. It's easier then. And also knowing that you just need to heal your relationship and like you don't need to be treating your hypos forever with disgusting orange glucose tabs. Oh, I hate orange glucose tabs. Yeah. I like all the rest of the flavors, but <laughs> orange ones just... The orange ones are vile. Orange and lime. <laughs> Ugh, disgusting. Um, all well, I quite of- like the lime ones. I quite like lime. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> They taste like, um, you know, like those medicine that you take when your, uh, your temperature is high, that they taste exactly like cold no. That's the one like cold oh, and stuff. I don't, I don't remember that at all. Like I remember the strawberry stuff or the banana stuff. That's what I remember. I feel like we grew up in different countries. So that's why. Yeah. We did. Um, <laughs> it's probably something to do with it um yeah but like I don't know I guess other yeah go ahead I was gonna I was gonna say other things for like if you are struggling with with comfort eating or you feel like you're struggling I think having a list of activities that you can do on your phone for when you find yourself going I'm feeling kind of meh I'm wanting to reach for the food is have a look at that list of activities and go actually what's going to make me feel better now um interestingly i mean it's never helped me really no i just look at that list closed it and went to do my stuff (laughs) no interesting interesting yeah everyone is so different everyone is so different um i think having this reminder for me going you know what, actually, I'm not hungry. I'm just feeling lonely. Um, I'm going to go and call someone. Was was helpful for me to kind of, it's the awareness, isn't it? Kind of going, this is what I'm feeling. Actually, what is it that will help me with this feeling? Um, and sometimes you end up eating the food. And yeah. sometimes you end up calling a friend or going for a walk or something. But that little gap of awareness, I think, is, um, is gold. Yeah, I feel like we, it it worked for you and it didn't work for me because you were usually triggered by high blood sugars where you were like more or less functional, whereas I was triggered by low blood sugars. So I would still have to eat something and then it ended up being not what you want it to be. Yeah. And I I guess, yeah, I've never, I've always treated a low. Yeah, sometimes I've over treated. Um, but sometimes my, my, it would just be one of those things. And like, I still do it occasionally now when I'm like, ah, oh, bored, fancy eating. And then I go, actually, you know what? No, I will have a, a bag of crisps, but actually what I need to do is go and do something. Um, and I think just awareness. I feel like it's a really overused word, but it's so important <laughs> and really hard to get there. I feel like some people, particularly within the intuitive eating world, tend to use it like it's this easy thing to have but it can really take time and it can take some really hard work and conversations with yourself yeah but then it feels easy once you've actually developed it so I guess they're right in a sense so can't really blame them as much yeah getting there can be tough once you're there it's much easier 
True. Helen, um, thank you so much for coming on, taking the time. I think it's the first time I've actually spoke spoken about my binge eating struggles um, on this podcast as well, um, which is interesting. But thank you so much for coming on and taking the time. I love chatting to you. And you know, I love you as a friend and as a person. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you so Thank you so much for having me. I'm sorry, I can I can ramble. I love to chat. Um, but yeah, no, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. And for those who are expecting us to just talk about food, I'm sorry, we went a bit sideways. Um, but totally I, did. We also spoke about dogs. We also spoke about dogs. Renting and dogs. Plants. Uh, <laughs> but I, I hope that some of the stuff that we were able to cover today was was helpful for people. I'm sure it was. And thank you again. Chat to you soon. Thank you so much to Helen for coming onto the podcast. This was long overdue. I'm really happy we had this chat. Um, I just wanted to mention that Helen is also a T1D coach and she coaches type 1s to uh, better manage their blood sugars and enjoy life and be more free with their food choices. Um, If you want to check out Helen, I will link her in the podcast notes and she is Helen underscore mtol on instagram as i've said before um and i will also leave my own links in the show notes i am at t1 level underscore daria on instagram and you can find a lot of my links through there as well if you've enjoyed this episode please absolutely tune into the next one and listen to the previous ones if you've missed them Please rate, review and subscribe the podcast in your podcast app. That will massively help bring it up in the list to get it discovered better. And until next week.